Hello, and welcome to the Gaming Fix Podcast, episode 237 on August 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. your partner's favorite rhythm game. I'm joined today by Allison. Okay, well, I appreciate choosing not to uh, alienate me here, but then you also... uh, Completely overwhelmed. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Ooh, that is a good, that is a tough one. Um, You know, I like a lot of rhythm games. I I think that I might go back um, to an unconventional choice uh, with Rhythm Heaven, um, just because I think that that is kind of one of the more unique rhythm games out there. And... um, goes for interesting places rather than the kind of uh, standard rhythm game fair. So I, that's going to be my my pick. But, man, I, I like rhythm games, so I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big question for me. Well, we'll come back to the, the topic later on. <laughs> also joining us today is Pat. I'm going to say it changes with from whichever one I'm enjoying currently, but I'm going to sure. say... DJ Hero deserves a a comeback. Okay, it's time. I would buy it. But the, the more the plastic more DJ plastic turntables. Turn okay. Hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the very unconventional choice: Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Well, there you go. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, impeccable rhythm game. You really got to get those parries in on time. Mm-hmm. I saw a very funny tweet that said, like, it was a hard drive article that was like, video game player decides not to engage with that one mechanic, and somebody retweeted it and said, it's parrying, the mechanic is parrying. (laughs) (laughs) Or in Sam's case, in playing God of War, dodging at all. But Yeah, uh, well. You know, the British people, they they don't know how to dodge. (laughs) It's... It's genetic. It's, I don't know, it's a problem. And you, you throw something at the queen, she's just going to sit there. She's going to take it. She's not going to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a fact of life. Go try it out. Test it. The, those, the guards at Buckingham Palace, they're not going to move. Throw something at them. Uh, I think if See you, what happens. the whole reason they're, I think if you throw stuff at them, then they will uh, they're not gonna dodge like, it. shoot you. They're or... not gonna, but they're not going to dodge it. Hmm. I don't know. I think they're just cops, actually. They just wear the funny hats, but pretty I sure that they the pictures, actually. But yeah, yeah. I think their function is to beat the shit out of you if you throw <laughs> stuff at them or try to get into the palace. Well, hey, listen. I I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just saying if you did it, that's what would happen. Is they wouldn't get out of the way. Mm, I'm not saying what yes. would happen afterwards, but they would take it. They wouldn't dodge. Yes, true. It's, this is just, these are facts about British people. Mm-hmm. Today, Allison, you did a little journey to a local video game convention. Yeah, so I um, went to 2D Con yesterday, which is in Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot like of other stuff that 2D you can Con, do. Like little, little toot, little fart. <laughs> God damn it. Tootie Con. Sure, sure, fine. No, um, but <laughs> no, 2D is not 3D, but um, there's a lot of other stuff that 
they had going on. Um, there, I, I know that they had they're doing some speed running there. There was a number of tournaments and things, and just a, just a lot a lot of good stuff. I went there almost entirely because uh, a, a group comes with a bunch of rhythm game cabinets, uh, Japanese rhythm, rhythm game cabinets. So I went there and uh, spent a decent amount of time just playing all the different rhythm game cabinets that they had, which was a really good time. Uh, the, the one that I highlighted to these guys and uh that that now i'm going to be thinking about is uh chunu them um which is a pretty popular japanese arcade um rhythm arcade cabinet that has uh controls that are basically is basically um like a, a sensor on the that's on the table and then it also has a air sensor so you have to kind of constantly move between those and it was very very fun but I also played uh, Poppin' Music, um, uh, Muzeka, which is apparently um, discontinued, but that was kind of fun because it had uh, little buttons that you could spin, so it gave me kind of uh, kind of that DJ vibe. Same with uh, Sound Voltax, which had little had little knobs that you used in addition to the buttons. So these names are out of control. <laughs> There's also UV that I enjoy, but I've, I've played that before, where all the buttons have little screens and kind of shows where, where you're going to be doing it. So kind of like like very fast rhythm whack-a-mole in a weird way, but very, very fun games. So um, it's it, it just makes me wish that there were more of these, uh, of the arcades that have these in in the u.s because i just want to play these games all the time um and but i also just think that they're really interesting games and each of them have kind of their own little mechanics there so it's uh they're really cool games and if you are anywhere into wanting to play or liking rhythm games i'd recommend giving them a shot uh if, if there's any sort of local arcade like a round one that has them or an event like this um otherwise yeah it was fun the other thing that was interesting was realizing just how shit i am at rhythm games um just because (laughs) i'm like oh i'm gonna play this for the first time okay i'll do kind of the medium difficulty this was a little hard and then you turn around and there's somebody who's just like like uh, full comboing, uh, like the highest level of difficulty next to you, and you're like, okay, okay, I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um, you know just just shows that you need to practice because the the thing that's kind of one of the things that I think is really fun about rhythm games is just um, when you get to that point where you kind of shut your brain off and are kind of just moving with the rhythm of it and not really thinking just just playing so i i wasn't there with any of those games yet so it was it was tricky but it was it was a it was a very good time and i i enjoyed myself very much so playing some rhythm games it's kind of surprising to me that there isn't a round one near in like no in like i think the closest one like uh, i'm like, looking at the list now it looks like the closest one to use in milwaukee yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is quite the hike we have two of them that are within like 45 minute drive of me um 45 minutes to an hour uh 
but yeah, I've not, I have not been to one of them before. I, I'll try to go and and check it out on my way down to Portland or something. And, I was I was in know, next week. Uh, I was in one a couple weeks ago. I mean, I was in one last night, but I was in one a couple weeks ago in Kyoto, and they raised the price on all the UFO machines. They doubled the oh. price to two hundred oh. yen, which is like two dollars per play, basically. Oh, that's that's nonsense. Yeah, it's it's absurd. It's a with exchange rate, it's like a dollar fifty, but the equivalent is like a dollar, you know, in Japan, and so it's it's ridiculous. Why? And that store that. That uh, round one is their machines are way more difficult, probably because it's super mm. high traffic. So they just can milk people for all they're worth. Like the the walls mm-hmm. on the UFO machine are like much higher, so it's harder to get the things over. Like you can't like really just like tip them over the thing. It's really easy to get them into spots where that you just can't do anything about it. So you have to like call someone over and it questionable. That is questionable. some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I guess you, you, I, you vaguely get it where it's like, okay, people have kind of, a lot of people have really figured out the, how to do those machines better. And, you know, if it's high traffic area, you can get a bunch of money, but it's like, man, I don't know. It's. The clerks are very helpful. They come up and they're like, yeah. oh, well, here's what, you know, like, okay, I'm going to reposition for you. You've been trying for a while. We'll move it around or get it in a better spot from this crappy spot you have it in. Or here's, okay, now here's what you should do. You should try and push it this way or you should try and, like, grab it in this way and whatnot. But it's still just a pain in the ass. Yeah. Seems like it. Now, what else is it, 2D Con? Um, let, they had couple of panels there. I didn't see anything that I was particularly vibing with, but, you know, they have some some stuff like that. Um, um, there's a speedrunning uh, uh, tournament, or not tournament, um, event, uh, Midwest Speed Fest, I think it's what it's called. Um, but it's, it's basically like a um, speedrunning marathon that they do, they just have at there. There's a lot of tournaments for like fighting games and stuff. There was not a Guilty Gear one I checked for you guys. Damn. <laughs> Even though you weren't there. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet people were playing Guilty Gear, but... They, they weren't. Like they weren't. I what don't were they, know. What, do you know what kind of games they were playing? Um, Just like kind of basic, like like the Street Street Fighter V. Um, what else were they playing? Cowards. Uh, <laughs> the boomers. Hanging on to that old game, yeah, seriously. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot. There are a lot of tournaments out there. They, had, they had a Smash tournament, and I, I don't know, they were just, not blazing. But they didn't have a uh, Guilty Gear, and I was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's sad. Um, they also had, you know, the kind of uh, vendor area. There are folks doing tattoos, and I was like, vaguely tempted to get my first tattoo, but I was like, I don't want to get it like right now and then i have other stuff to do today i think you should think about your tattoo like you should you should it's the the best way to get a first tattoo i think is to actually go through the whole process of like planning it out with an artist and stuff yeah that makes sense not just spur of the moment also i just wouldn't want to do it at a con i mean they got like (laughs) legit people like sure they're they're from like local tattoo shops and they're like it's so it's like legit it's not like oh there's there's Here's Greg who can give you a stick and poke for five bucks. Like, no, it's, it's legit. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I mean, but you. still. 
No, it wouldn't be that cheap. I'd be like, hey, he can give you a stick and poke Triforce for like 45 bucks. And you're like, well, it's expensive for a stick and poke, but it's more, it's cheaper than a normal tattoo. But cheap stick no. and poke is uh, no good. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, other than that, I, I, there's there's other stuff that was going on. It's it's a pretty small convention. It's I think it's pretty new to the area, but it's, it's the, it, they definitely been growing over the past couple of years since I went, uh, I, th- I think I went in 2019, right before everything happened. So it, it's, it was nice to see them seeming, seeming to do pretty well. And we'll be interested to see how this grows. And especially if they keep adding new, interesting stuff for the area, but it's generally very, very nice. Uh, they're, there was a, I think there's going to be a cosplay contest. There are a lot of people dressed in cosplay. There was one person in front of me in line for picking up badges uh, who's in a King Dedede costume, and it looked so hot. And I was like, dude, you, I don't know how you're doing this without like sw- getting completely dehydrated because it looked very uncomfortably warm. But that's If I ever cosplayed one of those kinds of things, I would have a system so I could, I would have like, drinks on the inside of it and i would have a system so i could like pull my well camelback would be the actual smart thing i would pull my have a system so i could pull my arms in and just like crack open a nice refrigerated uh like water bottle or soda or something from inside the the suit and no one would ever know there are enough of these like isolate isolated personal air conditioning devices sony makes one that people seem to really like that you just strap to the back of your shirt or like around your neck and it apparently keeps you cool for like eight hours i i bet that people are getting those for cosplay oh i bet yeah i just don't know if if at this kind of smaller convention with it was like sure i was just like i was just please please be please be okay and not overheating Mm -hmm. in that um but yeah ddd pass out in the middle of the floor (laughs) hover handing a booth babe You say like there's booth banks at this. Anyways, no, but there it's it's, it's fun, and I I'm glad that I'm at a point where I feel more okay about going to conventions and stuff again. Um, especially since, well, especially since they they both uh, check vaccination and have uh, you have to wear masks. So it it's it's but it's you know I I like as introverted as i am i love i love conventions they're they're kind of a kind of a happy place for me so it's very fun nice well also a happy place for you is talking about idols right <laughs> yes. you you love idols so much yeah and yeah. you know that kind of ties into rhythm games right yeah uh, yeah I mean, that's kind of part of how I, I started playing a lot of them. Well, that's that's how, how I decided to play Rhythm Heaven is because it was all the music in it was produced by Tunku, who who was the original producer for Morning Musume and has done a lot of his own music stuff. So that's why I picked that up and kind of, you know, helped me get into rhythm games, too. So, um, yeah. Wow. I was going to say, I, uh idol manager i believe we've talked about this in the past correct but now it's yeah. out on switch now it's out on switch um i am currently uh working on a review for the folks over at super gg radio uh they were able yeah. to get me this 
uh, key for that. So uh, I've been playing this on Switch. It's, uh, it, you know, it's it's interesting because they, um, it's a very like tab heavy game. So I was like, how is this going to uh, feel in kind of a, um, on a more mobile um, stage? But it actually works really well um, because the left. Um, the left stick is basically the mouse, but there's a couple of buttons that you can kind of zoom over to the left, um, uh, to the left uh, buttons and, and just right. makes things a little bit nicer. So it, it worked really well. Um, works really well for mobile. It is still, <laughs> still fucking hard. Um, I am still, I'm currently playing my first, um, uh, game on this on this and I think I'm gonna lose probably pretty quickly because I am in a lot of debt and I am just desperately trying to keep this idol group alive and failing very miserably so it is it is tricky I might actually um see if I can get some kind of tips and tricks for the game or or even maybe like a starting guide for for it so just, that I can get a little bit deeper into the story for especially since I'm I'm writing this review but it's 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 really tricky but I think it has a lot of kind of the nuances and is clearly made by people who um are into Japanese idol culture or who um have spent a lot of time thinking about that so it's it's it feels legitimate and it doesn't feel like it feels very nuanced in a, in a good way, um, specifically because it's 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 like well, there's some good things, and but then it's like not it's not just sugarcoating it, but it's also not it, like it tackles the seedier parts of the yeah, but it's it doesn't like say oh this is the only thing of it because sometimes like you see kind of like overseas stuff talk about idol culture and we're like oh it's it's all it's all terrible and you're like nah, it's not so really. so is hollywood with actresses and right it's all... yeah yeah so it's like it's like i think it, it it handles those topics pretty well um so it it yeah but it doesn't it does address some of the kind of more unpleasant parts of 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 that idol industry and um you know i mean in in ways that you don't necessarily even uh expect so because like one of the things that's been like the hardest to deal with um is is making sure that you're not overworking them or that you're not you know kind of getting them really overwhelmed with how much you're working to the point where i i hired some new members because because uh all of the original members in my group were injured and needed to take a hiatus for months and I was like oh no I don't have anybody who can actually perform for me and so I uh did an, an audition and got new members and then I'm like all right you guys have full stamina so we're gonna be doing some performances right away and then like one of the members comes up to you and is like hey uh so we've been performing every single day for the past week uh is this normal or is is this what I signed up for to be like a workhorse? And I'm like, yikes. Okay. You noticed that. So it's, it, which is something I think that you can see um, with, with 
you know, happens with other idols is that it's just kind of a brutal, really, um, you know, you you do see that overwork sometimes. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's not just kind of like, Oh, did you know that some fans would be mad if an idol dated? That's a thing. It's like, yeah, that's like kind of the tip of the (laughs) iceberg there. So it's, 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 I think still really good. It's just, I, I need to get good essentially, but I, I think that's, that's that kind of, there's just a lot of systems at play that you can, um, work with there. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, I, I think a really great game. I just am not very good at it. I had this moment where I was like, why on earth are you playing it on switch? Cause I didn't know you were reviewing it. And I was like, you, yeah, you play no. this on your Steam Deck. Like, what are you doing on the Switch? What are you doing, Allison? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm specifically reviewing it, but I actually might um, p- pull it up on my Steam Deck and just see if um, some of those kind of quality of life uh, sure. things for mobile, uh, if those are if on the... Um, I'm sure. On on the Steam port as well. And it, it would just be interesting to see. But but in general, yeah, it's it's... It's it's a I I knew that by saying that that you'd be like, but you have it on Steam and you have a Steam Deck. It's like it, it didn't even yeah. occur to me until we started the conversation. I was looking at the notes and I was like, oh yeah, okay, Idol Manager again. Then I was like, wait, wait, Switch, <laughs> Allison, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, <laughs> I do have yeah. a solution to your debt problem. Yeah, just cyber bully Joe Biden in the game and <laughs> have him forgive all your idle debt. It's like, listen, honestly, ten thousand dollars would go a long way because, like, you do not start out with enough money to form an idle group in that game for sure. You're just like, hey, the the person who's like, who is the very sketchy uh, entertainment or, or the sketchy business guy who you know that his businesses aren't 100% legit is like, cool. I want you to do form an idol group here. Uh, here's money. But it's like maybe like $50,000. And I'm like, that's not enough to start a music group, but I digress. <laughs> All right. Well, that's idol manager out now on, out now on switch. Yeah, out now on switch. Okay. Uh-huh. And we've, heard nothing but good things about it on the podcast before so yeah i I think it's it's not to step on your review (laughs) no i mean i i think i think that's true and i think that um i I think that the reasons they wanted me to talk about is because they know that i i know that culture pretty well um but even if you're if even if you don't i think it's it's still pretty um it's an it's still an interesting kind of management title. So even if you're going, I don't care about J-pop in the least. Um, or it, it's still, I think, if if you like that kind of of management game, you you should definitely give it a try. Okay, well that's Idol Sim, right? Idol Manager, not Idol Sim. Idol Sim mm-hmm. would be a very different thing. I have to be <laughs> the idol. Uh, well, you've got two other games here. I don't know which one you want to talk about. They're yeah. very, very different. <laughs> one is new. One is not. One is at all. not. <laughs> almost a retro game at this point. Uh, depending, honestly, depending almost, on your yeah. definition, a retro game. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't need to talk about it much. I uh, just, I wanted a game to play kind of while I watched TV. And for some reason, I decided that would be Skyrim. So I've been playing that on my Steam Deck. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, no, and it's just, it's still a, it's still a very good game. It's still it's still a fun time. And I, I, I kind of just wanted it so that I could be like, uh, boot it up on my Steam Deck and go, all right, uh, I'm going to be watching something on TV and just kind of explore go to around that and exactly. Yeah. And like, I want to see what this is over here. This is, this is interesting. Um, and, uh, just kind of wander around and find, you know, new places to explore. So I, th- I think it's good for that. It's still, um, it, it's, it's, it's been ported to everything and it's very, very, very playable on steam deck. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very, it's very good as that kind of like, I'm going to have this on, on my Steam Deck while I have something else on the TV and just kind of go back and forth between it. So that's been, it's been neat, but yeah, uh, it's, what? Like, why am I playing St- uh, Skyrim in the, in 2022? Like, honestly, I have considered, I don't have my Steam Deck yet, but I have I have it like in a list like, oh, maybe I'll check it out again. I tend not to like those games, though. So, you know, there are a lot of other things I could play. What race did you choose? Who? What, uh, what is your character? Did you make like a Garfield? Did you make an idol? Did you make, I don't know. What did you I, make? Just, I just made kind of like a standard, like, I, 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 I did Imperial, but, you know. Um, just as like a standard person, I should have probably done a Garfield though. Okay. In hindsight. How, how are you, uh, going about this world? Are you sword, magic, bow? Uh, magic and axe. Um, okay. magic, left hand, axe, right hand. That's been kind of my, kind of my go-to. Ambidextrous. Uh, <laughs> uh, trying to also use the bow, but I'm like, for some reason, bad at it in this game. Uh, but, but yeah, it's magic and axe. I, I've, I've basically burn everything until it's almost done and then whack it over the head. And that seemed to be working pretty well for me. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 I, I don't know if I like necessarily love, like love the game or I'm, I'm not like a big Elder Scrolls lore person. Like I know that there's a lot of story here that I could interact with. If I so chose, but I, I'm mostly playing this game just to kind of uh, fuck around and have some fun. So uh, that's that's been that. All right. Well, from one RPG to another. Yeah, actually, it's, it went the other way around because I was trying to play this game while watching TV. And I was like, I'm too invested in the story. So I, <laughs> I was like, I can't I, this, I can't do this as a multi like. Uh, multitasking game, but I've also been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which I am really enjoying. Um, that's one of those series where I've always kind of wanted to get into it. It's it's like, I've played all the games in the series, actually, in, in at least since it became Xenoblade and isn't, you know, the other Xeno-type games. But I, I've, I've been wanting to play, get into the series for a really long time, but I've kind of always fell off for whatever reason, but Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I think it's just that the characters are really good, and the the story and world building is really interesting. Um, 
So it, it really kind of propels you forward and wanting to play more of the game. So it's, uh, I, I, I'm taking a, a small break so that I can, uh, of it being my kind of big switch game so I can do idle manager, but I've been playing a decent amount of that. And I, 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 I that's part of the reason that I started picking up Skyrim because I was playing this while in that kind of multitasking mode and going, no, I need to pay attention to all everything that's happening. Cause I'm really genuinely invested in, in this main group of characters and in, in the story that's going on. And it makes me want to, go back and play the other games in the series because while they're not well they're separate games uh from what i understand they're all like very very loosely connected except for maybe x i don't know if that's connected at all but one and two and three they all have like i I think just very very loose connections and i'm like it'd be cool if i if i knew that what they were but it's uh I, i think it's a really great game i think if you've been kind of like me and going well I kind of want to like this series but I I haven't really you know it hasn't really gotten me yet I would probably recommend giving it a shot because it's it's I I think that even with some of the issues with it uh well not issues but the tutorial is is the the longest thing in the world um you're still doing tutorial stuff in like 10 hours in um because this is a very long game but but even still you're just kind of like i like these these people i i'm i'm i think this world is interesting enough that you're kind of like any of the stuff that's kind of like jrpg nonsense you're you're willing to kind of push through to get to the rest of the game i really want to like those games because i like the like combat systems in both uh the first and second game but that was the issue I ran into with those was like there it's not that the the characters are bad or that the writing is bad but she, like I played probably 6 hours of both of them and in both cases it was like we were still doing run to this spot watch a 30 second cutscene mm-hmm. run to this spot watch these characters talk and it wasn't like it was like a bunch of dialogue it was like we should really head in. Long pause. You're right. I think we should leave now. Long pause. Well, let's head back. Long pause. And it was just this, like, what are we doing here? Why did? <laughs> why are we having this conversation? How did conversation? we get to this point? Yeah. It, it, and it, it was it was just, I just hit a point where I was like, I just want to do something. And it, it wasn't like, oh, whatever, I'll just button through this and get and get moving. It was like, then it was like... Well, you got to do the side quests, and for this side quest, you need to run around the town and talk to these six people, I feel and then like the they're all going to have you talk to somebody else. And I was like, "Why am I doing?" <laughs> the side quests have been a lot more sparing, and I don't know if there if there's ever going to be a point where there's more. But um, for for the kind of hey, this person wants this stuff, and it's going to increase your standing in in the various colonies, like. That's just like a separate menu where you can kind of automatically give them the items. And it's pretty it's it's very very streamlined. And then the the side quests so far have been all pretty like pared down and um and and, and more interesting. So I I I I'm interested to see if it ever gets to that point of like you you go into a city and there's like 
a million people with quests and it's like, can you yeah. go here and get it, this thing for me? Um, unfortunately, it, both of the other ones start in a location like that. Yeah. So I think that's part of why they're hard to get into. Yeah, so it doesn't quite have that. And whereas here, it's it's just a lot more exploratory and um, so far focused on the main story. But there's also um, a decent amount of side content. Um, and there's it, it does some interesting things too with um, classes where you, you you play where you can switch a class of every character and you're learning skills and and it's I. I, it, it's interesting you said that because I the thing that I wanted to get into wasn't necessarily the combat, which I which I personally was not as big a fan of in previous games, but was just kind of the the I, I thought the world was really interesting and really mm-hmm. beautiful to explore. Um, but here, I feel like there's there's just a lot of uh, I, I feel like it may, the the combat makes a little bit more sense here, and maybe I need to just go back and maybe it's just third time's the charm in terms of getting that uh, explanation down in my head. But I, I think it, yeah. I, I, I think it kind of on-ramps you to the kind of nuances of the that combat in, in an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, it's very much, at least the first, the first two are both very much like single-player MMO kind of combat. But yeah. I tend to like that and... Um, combining it with like interesting stuff to explore and a good narrative and the world is like you said the world is is pretty unique um mm-hmm. i think that's the thing that i the thing that i i really find the most interesting about it and i think that that the ways i i mean obviously everybody knows i like games that connect narratively but sort of tang- tangentially so like it's more fun to me to see games that are existing in the same world but have threads that kind of connect rather than doing just like a three doing sequels and trilogies yeah exactly yeah yeah like part of the reason that i'm interested in trails is is to see that there's these there's sort of like three different series within trails and seeing how they connect of course it has the issue of also it has three two of those series are like pretty long mm-hmm. uh so i don't know so maybe someday but um but I, I find that interesting how when games what it really is is it boils down to is games and any kind of storytelling that chooses to tell the story from different points of view mm-hmm. that are spread out across different cultures and geographic places within the same world are really interesting to me and um i think that that sounds like that's exactly what this trilogy of games does uh so i'm sure that i would i would really enjoy it if yeah i, I think got down it's into it. i i haven't looked too much into it but i think it's um it's it's uh partially it's like a timeline thing so yes it's, so it's yeah. like this is taking place in, in the significant future after the yep. events of of xenoblade one and two yeah it's it's there's a huge time jump from game to game which is yeah. another which is exactly what I'm kind of talking about too, because like then you get that sort of different perspective and different point of view on the world and the way that characters perceive those events that happened in the previous games is interesting to me. But because it's me, I'm also like, yeah, but I want to see those. Th- I I do want to play them in order so I can kind of see the 
events unfolding the way that the story was originally told. Yeah, and and, and there's part of me that was like, oh, should I just go back and play Xenoblade 1? Uh, And, like, now that I like this, but I think that I kind of needed Xenoblade 3 to really um, kind of draw me in. Um, And then I think later I'm going to go back and give another shot to 1 and 2 and... It sounds like you can really play them in any order you want yeah. and get a fulfilling experience, but yeah. Yeah, so it's it's I I think it's it's really worthwhile to play, especially if you like uh JRPGs. Um and I and I definitely do, but it's it's yeah, I I think that they're definitely improving the series on as as things keep going and mm-hmm. I'm 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 excited to get more into this game and then also this series because it's again like so much of the kind of especially aesthetic and just general vibes of the world that I really connect with. So I, I'm, I, I've, I've, I've just wanted to lo- love this series. So I'm, I'm excited that yeah, I'm fi- cool. I finally am. So that's fun. All right. That's Xenoblade Chronicles three out now on switch and you can go back couple episodes to hear what our uh, friend Sam had to say about the game. I don't remember what episode that was. That was... I don't either. I was not on that one, so... No, you were not. Uh, but, uh, Pat, you've got... You know, I messed up this transition. We could have gone from Idle Manager to F1 Manager. It's <laughs> true, yeah. We, we could have done okay. it, and mistakes were made, regrets are had. F1 manager. It's okay. You get to explore the world of uh, the real world in F1 manager. The, the real uh, world. Ooh. Much like in the way that time passes between Xenoblade Chronicles games. Time passes between manage F1 manager ra- 2021 and races. 2022. Well, actually, <laughs> yes, uh, because they they are signed up to do this is F1 manager 2022. And they are signed up to do. This is the first in the series, but it's the plan is to basically make it an annual series, uh, assuming that it's, it's people stay liking it. And I don't know what the larger perception around this game is because it is in that weird thing that games do now, where if you pre-order it, you oh. get it. They're selling mm. it five days before you can do the the Steam review, basically. What? Because <laughs> uh, if you pre-order it, you get five day early access. Which is silly. I don't know. It's stupid. Video. Just put your. Just put your damn video games out, <laughs> and just say that. Just they're release out. your damn video games. How are? Th- okay. Yeah. Does it cost more money to get it? No. Okay. No. So it's just you have to pre-order. Yeah. Pre- that is uh, pre-order. Pay if you buy it up. In fact, it's ten percent off to pre-order it. Uh, it costs less money uh, to 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 buy it now. I and I paid less than that because I have a green man gaming i've had a green man gaming account long enough that i have i'm like gold tier or platinum tier or whatever in their xp system so i get games for like 30 percent off fairly frequently that are new um and that was i actually bought it on steam and then realized that i could do that and then 
refunded it on Steam. And it's funny because I put in the Steam ticket to refund it. I want to buy it for cheaper on Green Man just to see if they would still refund it. <laughs> and they totally did. Honestly, yeah, they're probably just like, yeah, whatever. Fair enough. Uh, so um, they, I paid like 35 bucks for it, I think. It's normally like 50 bucks or something. And I am pleased to say that I think it's totally worth the, the asking price. So all this goofiness aside, the game's really good. Um, F1 Manager is a uh, Formula One video game made by Frontier Developments, so makers of fine titles like Elite Dangerous and uh, Jurassic World Evolution and Planet Coaster and Planet Zoo. Shockingly, they're pretty good at making management games, um, and F1 guessed? Manager is no exception. I was sort of expecting this game to be relatively simple. There's another game called Motorsport Manager that is... Good. I think it's good, uh, but it's it's relatively simple. It's it's not as deep as say like uh, uh, Football Manager, where as F one Manager, it seems like they actually just are very much looking at Football Manager for inspiration. Um, football Manager being a pretty weighty, complex management game uh, where you manage European football teams, um, and in the case of F one Manager. It is pretty laser focused, obviously, on Formula One, uh, and you are you step into the shoes of a team principal of one of the ten current Formula One teams. Uh, they all offer pretty cool starts. I love Formula One. I don't really have deep allegiance to any particular team, frankly. Um, I'm, I I just think it's interesting to watch the action unfold. There are certain drivers that I like more than others. So when I when it came to picking a team, I just was kind of like, eh, I want to pick the team that's going to be the most interesting because you don't feel like picking the team that's the best is kind of boring. Um, and one of the things I was concerned about with this game is can they make it interesting to play as a team that's consistently placing in the bottom half of the grid? Because yeah. it's not. It would be unrealistic and not fitting the goals of the game if it's like you can just step into the shoes of like Haas. F1 team and start winning races off the bat because there's no way that would happen. And, uh, and, and actually I can say that they did a really good job with that. So it's pretty complex. You are managing the team in between races and doing car development, facilities development, staff development. Um, all of that stuff is complicated. They did a very good job of modeling like, the engines for the cars are built by specific manufacturers. So if you are what's called a customer team or you're buying your engines from another team, you can't really do anything to upgrade the engine, but you can work on aerodynamic upgrades for the car. Um, I haven't played as a manufacturer team, so I don't know how in-depth upgrading the engine is, but I'd say that upgrading the aero parts is pretty, pretty heavy. Like you're picking, there's, um, six different parts I believe you can work on and that's like front wing rear wing underfloor suspension um and then side pods and there's like one other part and it's cool you're like picking it picking the part and then you're deciding how you want to you know manage design the design process do you want it to be rushed do you want it to be intense so it takes a long time but costs more money um, you're setting specifically like I want to put five engineers on it and I want them to focus on getting these parts 
that this part affects right. So I want them to design a rear wing that's going to give us more speed and straights. And so then maybe you're going to use that rear wing on specific uh, tracks. And so you can really kind of get granular about how these parts are developed. And then there's a manufacturing of the parts that you have to think about. You can like rush manufacture parts and it'll cost more money, etc. putting them on the cars and everything. So that's just like one micro aspect. And I'm talking, I'm kind of in the weeds on it because that's how this whole game is. All these different micromanagement aspects of managing the team are represented. And I think that's what this game really needed to be convincing um, cause you've, and then you've also got things like you're managing your facilities, you're managing your, um, your staff, you, you have your like key staff that are named people that, uh, have ratings and they develop over time. And then you can also hire your like researchers and scouters cause you also need to scout drivers cause ostensibly you can play this game for many in-game seasons. So your drivers will get old and retire. And then you need to have new drivers that you're scouting from the lower, kind of development series. So there's all this stuff that's happening in between races. That's kind of where a lot of the meat of the game is. But what's really impressive about this game is that then when you go to race weekends, the racing is, it looks really good, especially for a management game. It doesn't look quite as good as the like mainline F1 series of video games, but you can actually like watch the races from the camera pod in the car. And it's, Mm pretty impressive um sometimes the cars move a little bit unrealistically and the biggest thing is that that's a little unrealistic is that they tend to swap positions a lot so Mm. uh, formula one racing has a system called drag reduction the the drag reduction system which is basically on straightaways um most tracks have three zones where you can do this some tracks only have two some i think there's one with four now um if you're within a second of a car ahead of you, you're, you can open your rear wing on the straightaway, which gives you way a huge burst of speed because you're basically sacrificing the grip that the rear wing gives you uh, through corners to go faster. And it's designed to keep the racing interesting because it's like you want there to be passing. You want the person. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just stuck, right? Like they, they, if, if they, they, you can get in a situation where it's like, I can't go any faster than you. So I'm just stuck behind you and it's boring. So DRS is is controversial because some people think, well, that's what should be the case. They shouldn't you shouldn't get a boost for being behind. Um I personally like DRS. I think it's a good system. Um the one criticism I have of F1 manager is that the with DRS, the drivers will like swap around back and forth a lot, which doesn't really happen in real Formula One because you strategically decide when you're going to pass. And there's no way to tell your driver or an F1 manager, like, hey, wait to pass them for three four, three or four laps. Just stay close to them. Don't burn out your tires or whatever. Um, other than that, the racing is really, really well done. You go through the practice sessions and work on setting up the car to fit the driver's confidence, which is really fun um, and interesting. And that's exactly how real practice sessions work. Uh, you also get your drivers more track familiarization. And, um, then you go into the qualifying session and, you know, hopefully everything paid off in your practice sessions and setting the car up and then the race itself and they're full length races. So you can do time dilation, uh, but they're the full races. So I've sat and watched like the whole race and then in it, you're making the strategy calls on when you want to pit 
um, you set up your strategy ahead of time, but you can make changes on the fly to like the tire compounds that are going to be used. Um, and then you're also telling your drivers like, you know, I want you to push the tires. I want you to conserve your tires. I want you to conserve fuel or push fuel and telling them how to manage their, their, um, energy recovery system, which is another thing in formula one, the cars have batteries in them. So, um, when they break, the battery gains power. And then when they accelerate, the battery uses power and you can choose to use more power or less power and from the battery and kind of manage the balance between recharge and deploy. And so you tell your drivers how to do that in this game as well. So um, I think it's a, I, I'm kind of pleased to say I don't think this game is for anyone who doesn't like Formula One already. Um, <laughs> this, this sounds I, <laughs> like you have to be in it to Yeah, like I would say it. if you think the idea of a car game, of, of like a car racing team management game sounds fun, Motorsport Manager is your thing because it's um, it's still a good game. And uh, it, it has Steam Workshop support, so you can you can set it up to be like anything. So there's plenty of mods for making it into a Formula One game if you want to use them. Um, but F1 Manager is like the real drivers, the real tracks. They did cool stuff. I don't know how much of it is stuff that they pulled from broadcasts and how much of it was getting people in the studio to record. But when you talk to your drivers, when you tell your drivers to do something, their engineer, they play... F1 has a very distinctive radio beep that that is you can hear it on the broadcast they'll play team radio and it's this little chirp and then the drivers talk um almost like star trek communicators or something and uh in f1 manager if you say like okay i want my for my my number one car to push tires more the little beat plays and the engineer will say like and it's the real engineer from formula one uh will say like you know okay lewis give us a little more like okay close the gap lewis and then it's then they've got the audio of like lewis going okay got it and stuff so that's kind of cool again i think a lot of that they just pulled from broadcasts um Mm. of times when they said that stuff uh so i don't think they recorded audio for this but it would be cool if they did and either way it's cool that they that it has any kind of audio they got the Uh, licenses so it's not out of the question that they could have gotten them in for Boy, do they have the likenesses. Some of them, like Lewis Hamilton looks great. It's like surprisingly impressive for being the sort of management, not in your face, you know, Mm -hmm. sports game. Some of them are like, oh man, (laughs) they did you dirty, my guy. Uh, WWE 2K syndrome. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's very funny. Um, Who who has the Triple H hair of... F1 I guess manager Seb's 20. the closest, okay. but but nobody really has Triple H hair. Nobody has hair that long uh, in Formula One currently. There, you, 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 there's nothing stopping you as long as you can put it up and shove it in your helmet. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So I would recommend F1 Manager if you're someone who likes Formula One already. I think if you are trying to get into Formula One, this game is not going to help you <laughs> do it because... It this is, isn't a gateway for people. Who no, are. it's very complicated uh, in a way that I'm excited about because I think it's fun that it's complicated because I've kind of fallen off of being interested in driving this type of car when I do sim racing. I've settled very much on being into sports cars and prototypes for sim racing. I just think they're more interesting and sure. I don't like the way that F1 cars like fall apart if they get breathed <laughs> on. Um 
So there's, but 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 I find the strategy layer of Formula One racing really exciting. So I'm I'm excited about this series, and they've they're signed up to make five of them over the next five years. Wow! If assuming there's like a clause, like if they don't sell, if they stop selling, then yeah. they're not going to keep making them. But uh, they have the license if they if they do well. And what I really want to see, my friends and I want to see, is multiplayer added to this. So I think it's fair that there's no multiplayer this time out because it's the first game, and they're kind of working out a lot of the basics of how it'll work. But we are super pumped for, like, you only need 10 people uh, to do a full season, and even if you only have three or four, you could do you could do partial people grid. And it would be so much fun to, to schedule a, like, okay, everybody, Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, we are doing this week's race, so set your strategy up ahead of time and if you can show up then you can actually do it live and yeah. and and compete against each other would be a lot of fun i think uh so uh and and the way that they handle the um the the i'm driving a team that i picked the the team that is a team that is solid middle of the pack i picked alpha tauri which is one of red bull's two teams red bull racing is their main team uh alpha tauri is their kind of like their like development team which is funny to say because it's another formula one team and they have enough money that they can just form two f1 teams and have one be their development team but anyway uh the alphatari name comes from the clothing clothing brand that red bull owns um and alphatari is solid middle of the pack uh and uh, they, they give you expectations from a board of directors that's like, hey, we want you to finish sixth in out of ten teams in the Constructors Challenge this year. And then that's your short-term goal. And then your long-term goal is we want podiums in 25% of the races within five years. Um, and so that's that's kind of how they handle that. And it makes it really exciting and fun, even though I'm fighting for, like, 9, 10, 11th place it's still a fight and it's still really interesting. And I think it's even for me, even more interesting than if it was just trying to win races every time. Um, because that's kind of how F1 works is like, there's such disparity between the the pace of the teams that it tends to be more interesting in the mid pack than at the top. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Recommended to existing formula one fans. Uh, and I think they did a really good job. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to keep playing it and see how it evolves over the course of a few seasons in the game, but also for the future of it too. Nice. Yeah. That sounds very complex and Mm -hmm. like a very fun way to continue living out the formula one fantasy. It's a really good kind of hit of formula one. And I've also, I've played five hours of it and I've done two races. So that should tell you, Uh, how, long, how long is and, a race in the uh, game? Because you said it's like I mean, simulating a and, full race. So yeah, if how you long sit is and watch F1 it? At, race? Um, so F one races are uh, are are typically around like an hour and a half ish. Okay. Um, and in this game, you know, you can sit and watch the whole race at one x, or you can um, you can you can speed Get up time. Through, yeah, totally, so yeah. so definitely in both of the races I've done. There's periods in the middle of the race that are not 
particularly exciting. And so during those periods, they're just kind of the car slotting in and, and managing their, their tires and stuff over the long run. So I'll speed up time during mm-hmm. those sequences. Uh, and, and when you go up to four X or faster, it zooms you out to a map view. So you're just kind of watching the cars go around in a map view rather than being right in the TV broadcast sort of view that you get at one X and two X. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot going on there and the F1 race, the F1 calendar is like 22 races or something like that. So (laughs) you're, you're looking at 20, 30 hours a season potentially. Do Uh, Do you think that it's, the novelty of watching the races is going to wear off. Uh, I do, I don't think so. Only because it hasn't worn off f- in real F one racing, and of course, this isn't as exciting as that because it's a video game. But there's you there's there's stakes, and the racing looks good enough, and it is kind of realistic enough in the way that the results tend to shake out. That I think it will remain this is a part of why i say it's good for formula existing formula one fans i think it'll remain fun to see how the races are going and what's nice is if you have a race that's kind of boring you can you can just fast forward through it and 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 set up the strategy and let it go um and and you can tell how much you need how much you're going to get out of micromanaging your drivers over the course of the race kind of based on the way that they're performing early on in the race. So um, some cars are just very dependent on like, different cars are good at different tracks. So you can see kind of early on if it's like, eh, we're just going to sit in P10 with a car four seconds ahead and 10 seconds behind. And when that's happening, it's no, you can just fast forward it. Cause it's just going to, you're, you're not going to get necessarily interesting racing from that, but it's okay because there's enough going on that sometimes having those races is fine. All right. Well, from one complex, dense game to <laughs> another incredibly <laughs> complex, so, dense, <laughs> I don't know, like, I tried this I think, game, and I don't... I think you're overselling it a little bit. I don't think it's, I am. Uh, it's So, part of the thing with these is I've, these games, is I've been looking for complex games recently that also don't demand that you engage with them for a long haul due to narrative. Yeah. Like I've I've wanted to play very fair. an open world I've been in the mood for an open world RPG for a while now that doesn't necessarily have to be roguelike in nature, but that is not, you know, heavily focused on narrative. Frankly, if I haven't hadn't already played a ton of Skyrim, Skyrim would is kind of like what I'm looking for. Because while it does have a lot of story content in it, you can also just kind of go check out a dungeon and stuff do what i'm doing which is just running around the world and going oh this looks interesting oh god these Uh, are strong people bye but uh so anyway i finally i i didn't know what this game was about i finally i heard uh them talking about it on waypoint i have barely listened to podcasts this year but i did pop in to uh listen to waypoints post evo episode and it was very good and they very briefly um brought up caves of cud uh which is a long in early access long in development kind of dwarf fortress in 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 many ways very playing game like ascii it's an ascii presentation for the graphics it isn't and and it isn't any more like straight up ascii but that is the way that it started and it's still 
the art is very lo-fi. Yes. Um, and and it it looks like ASCII, but with a like, mo- like a like a like there's a more image of a pack flare. laid over yeah, it or something. More of a flare to um, it. But it's... and I am I I have always found the vibe of this game's like store page art not necessarily the screenshots but like the the way that the sort of cover art looks i've always been really into that and um now the visuals i think are pretty cool too because they're they have this like filter over it and and um it kind of looks like you're playing the game on like an old terminal or whatever uh and i and i think it's cool so i always thought that this game was a not just a traditional roguelike in the ways that it actually is, but also like not really open world. You just go through floors of this cave. That's kind of what I thought it was, but it's totally not that at all. It is actually a really, really expansive open world RPG. It's just that most of the world is procedurally generated. And then there's certain things that are plopped in the same place every time you play. Yeah. And it is a game where you are picking different starting locations and there's different characters and there actually is a narrative to it. Uh, if you get good enough to sort of live longer and, than and, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a really, really cool, um, like science fantasy world where you've got like gunslingers and alongside like centaurs and stuff. And it's, it's a, it's sort of a post pop, like, like post apocalypse, but like long after, the apocalypse um, of this, like, I assume nuclear apocalypse because there's all these mutated people and there's and there's like uh, sentient plants and stuff like that, um, and it it deeply simulates every single character in the game. Like every character has the same has a character sheet that is that 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 mirrors what your character looks like. So your character is kind of just another person in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can play as, uh, a huge range of different kinds of characters off the bat. If you play the preset characters, there's like 20 different characters you can play as, and then you can also make a character and there's thousands of combinations of, of ways you could put a character together because there's all these different mutations and stuff. So like my character, for example, that I'm playing is the one they recommend for new players, and they're like a centaur kind of, and they can shoot a freeze ray, and they have a charge attack, and they Classic use centaur axes. moves. Yeah, uh, and they have an ability called dismember, where they can just hack off a limb. Of they basically roll to hit, and if they hit, they hack off a limb. And so the way this game plays in in practice is it's a it's a top down, very lo fi two D, almost ASCII art. Um, overhead game where you're you know using the arrow keys to move around it actually has steam deck support too i need to learn i decided i tried playing it on steam deck and it seems good for that but i also needed to learn to play the game first because a lot of the ui elements are a little less convenient to access with a controller they are dense menus lots of lots of text i found myself kind of getting frustrated trying to parse what i was trying what i was like the the it gives you reasonable access to things with the controller layout but i needed to be able to just click on stuff because yeah. it was too much to need to navigate it around it with a controller but i think once i learn the game it'll be a great steam deck game and um it, it i think it appears almost more daunting 
than it kind of is in practice because it's really a tabletop role playing game. It, yeah, in, I think in terms of its rule set. I think where I ran into the issue was just dying over and over and like restarting and being for sure. Like, okay, okay, what? And you know that that happened in roguelikes, and but there is so much information that is put in front of you about these characters yeah, about absolutely. items or you, you know, whatever it is you really that you need to read the rule book yeah first. repeatedly <laughs> seeing new new massive like you know player yes. sheets like character <laughs> sheets it's just like ah too much numbers i can't do this yeah anymore. i've been playing i've 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 died like six times as butt ass my uh my my centaur person um but i just keep restarting as the same character and i'm and i'm getting starting to kind of get the hang i've i have one at like level four now and i can take on there's like these cobalt kind of enemies and i can there's you'll you'll typically run into like a whole group of them and i can now take them out and it's pretty satisfying because the way that the, the the game is turn-based, basically, where time is frozen when you're just looking at the screen. And then when you take a step, the whole world takes a step. Or when you yeah. attack something, the whole world takes takes a move. So it's very classic roguelite style, in, or roguelike style in that respect. And I think that is works really well for allowing to kind of help you parse stuff. And once you read how... The mechanics work literally. I went to the wiki. There's a help menu in the game that's pretty good about it. But I went to the wiki to read more about it, and it's like, okay, you it rolls a twenty sided die whenever you attack, and you're trying to hit the target's agility value. And if you hit their agility value, then it checks for weapon penetration by looking at your penetration value and their armor value. If the attack penetrates, it rolls damage, and these are all numbers that you can look at. So. Once you kind of understand the system, it's the combat system isn't so bad. It does start to get go a little sideways when it's like there's such a range of things that can happen, like you're saying, that sometimes it can be hard to keep everything straight that even you're able to do at any given time. Like my character has this freeze ray and this dismemberability and can teleport and can sprint and can charge. Uh and as you level up, you're just getting more options too. So, uh, it's it's a I need to play a lot more of it before I start to really understand it because it's a game you have to very very slowly poke at. Yeah. Um, you cannot just sort of hit the ground and go. Every you get in situations where it's like you have to look at the whole screen and go, okay, am I safe to take a step? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm safe to take a step. That and, that was another it, thing that also kind of pushed me away is. With this art, there is it. It's got a cool look, but it it can be so dense on the screen totally that it can yeah. be hard to parse. Like, okay, what what is around me? Everything is green, but oh no, that green <laughs> thing was an enemy. Whoops. Yep. Uh, totally. And the what is it? the the narrative? Like there, because like you're saying, there is narrative and stuff happening and lore in the world, and sometimes you'll just get massive walls of text and oh yeah yeah without any real context and it just kind of like made my eyes glaze over and it's like uh i don't know what any of this is oh god and it'll and it'll say stuff like you know it is the first day of tricks on the on on the uh, on the in the during the month of 
Eldric Tor. Yeah. And, you know, you are, it's, it's like just a bunch of weird proper nouns that don't make any sense. And a lot of them are procedural, I think. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then like, you'll get a quest from someone that'll say like, Hey, go up to this shrine up here. And it's very long box of text to tell you to get there. And you might think, Oh, perfect. This is, this NPC is standing right in front of me. This must be the first thing I'm supposed to do. And that's like, absolutely not the first thing that you should do in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Uh, And so it's definitely one of those in that it's, not holding your hand and it's pretty complicated but i but 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 you could do stuff in this game once you understand how it works you can do things like play a bird person with six arms who wields six pistols yeah. as a gunslinger and can fly and it's like okay that's sick that's and bad. i like the way it, i like the way it looks so i'm not you know you can play as like a turtle that can run really fast if you want. I mean, it's like all these different mutations that are there. And then you can also play as uh, like a person with cybernetics. There's like a whole track for that too. Um, it's so it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those games that I really would like to get an understanding of the whole game under yeah. my, or as much of it as I can under my belt so that I can just go, like I don't think I'm going to intensely play this for the next three months and try to beat it or anything, but I want to learn it enough so that I can go. Eh, it's Saturday. We finished recording the podcast. I'm going to play a Caves of Cug character for an hour or two, and and have fun doing that. Uh, and and I I think I can get there. I'm looking at an achievement that someone tweeted out because you can find some great Caves of Cud stories on Twitter where people like finding weird, like frog popes under a church or something. I might be making this up, but there, I don't know. Weird shit. No, that's totally. Yeah. Yes. That's totally in line. Yeah. Uh, This, this achievement is there can be only one encode the psionic bits of someone's psyche onto the holographic boundary of your own psyche. There you go. Yep. Okay. That is, that is an achievement Um, for this game. There was a there. Someone wrote in the the thing that made me get into this. Is someone wrote in with a story about how um, I I can't remember the exactly like exactly how it went, but basically they had like a six armed character, and I guess nobody had done that before, and they because it's it's not like it's it's not like um, you pick the six arm mutation it's that you take the extra arm mutation however many times you need to mm. to get to six arms and no one had done it because it's like do you really need six arms <laughs> like need, aren't four no. enough are three like yes what? and um this person did it and i guess they like lost the save and they reached out to the developer and the developer helped them recover the save and like figured out how to how to deal with a bug that was in the save or something mm. and um and then uh was like also it's cool you're playing a six armed character we've never seen that before and then the next build of the game had a had a had a achievement in it called six arms and none the richer uh and it have six arms is the achievement so uh it's clever they the developer seems really cool um that it's generally a game that i think has some interesting things to say too about concepts of of community and empire and uh and and um humanity and stuff like that too uh it's just sort of a you gotta 
put the time in to get to some of those narrative concepts. And oh, also the soundtrack, the fucking this game is like the soundtrack is not black metal. It's very much like post-rocky ambient stuff, but this game is is one of the most like you could the vibe of it is such that you could just put on a really good black metal album and just lose hours to it if you wanted to. And I think that the soundtrack is a more kind of approachable. It does a lot of the same brain things to me that that would do, but without being quite as intense for, for people. And I think that if, if nothing else, you should just watch some like no commentary gameplay of this game just to get a sense for the vibe of it, because it's really, really cool. Uh, I, I really, really dig it. And, um, the only bummer that I, I like, I don't mind the art being pretty lo-fi, but I do wish that there were more games that had the style of its kind of cover art. And cause it has this like seventies RPG look to the, the, the cover art that is super cool. And I think it is conveyed in the game as well, but uh, it, it, I don't know. There's something about the atmosphere there that I think is really neat. And I wish was more common across games that weren't, quite this lo-fi as well all right yeah well caves of cud i will always uh support that game but <laughs> i don't i don't know if i have it in me to actually dive in and it's play hard it, I, I think you either have to commit to uh, a lot of hours of just learning the game and not caring if you die a bunch and or you have to have somebody who's playing with you saying yeah. like Okay, here's what you should do here. Here's what you should do here. Um, and some of the stuff, like the the guide I was reading for new players was like, just steal all the stuff from these people's houses to start out. That's a good way to get started. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to steal from all these people. Um, and so you do have to be able to just sort of say, I'm going to figure some of this stuff out on my own and just oh, walk yeah. around some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, I think it's kind of what I want wanted out of Kenshi. Um the other game that I played earlier this year, that's sort of a similar permadeath open world RPG situation. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing a lot more of it uh, over the next until Boonbreaker comes out, I guess, because then I'm going to play a bunch of that. I, I am very curious about that. Uh, yeah. We'll talk more about that in the future. Just yeah. go look up the trailer. Uh, and you've you've got something else and, on here. I don't oh, I don't yeah. know what the yeah, is, what is unless this? I do know what it is. I needed to say I, I needed to save I needed to save the reveal for what it actually was for when we do it. So there is a game that I've complained extensively about. Destiny and, two. Uh, n- yes and no. Destiny two is great right now. Okay, <laughs> we got pirates. We got we got neon cyberpunk city coming soon. I bought a hundred dollar gun. Soon, TM uh, that uh, is coming out in like February. So yeah, that's that's soonish. Uh, if it doesn't get delayed, which it look, could, man, still could. I, I don't know. They haven't. I guess they delayed Beyond Light, but uh, Witch they, Queen also Witch get Queen came out. I think it came out on schedule. Anyway, this isn't the Destiny time. We I'm gonna reserve Destiny talk to when new expansions come out. Yeah. We can have a solid couple weeks of, of Witch Destiny Queen talk was delayed. Oh, okay. Um, it still came out in February, though. Uh, maybe it was supposed to come out in January or something. Uh, I think um, it might have been supposed to come out in, like, October, November, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, no, I... There's a game... This game had some issues, like, a month 
month-ish ago, a little over a month ago, and they just haven't talked about it since then. And it's been out in uh, the Philippines and Australia, and is this I've been Marvel like, "Snap, yeah, it is, baby." I was <laughs> like, "You know what? I don't even. I'm not even. I don't even think. I don't even have high expectations for this game, but I just have to know because it's it's so weird." And it comes from the develop like multiple developers, including the main guy who came up with Hearthstone, which is a game that I used to play a lot of. And <clears throat> I like Marvel characters a lot. And I'm so have just there's so many things about this game that I've been so curious about. And then they seems like they did some really bad monetization stuff with their Nexus event or whatever in July. But I don't really know because the game has been sitting released in other territories and it's like all of your progress is going to carry over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the whole idea behind this game's progression as it was pitched is like, you don't buy cards, you grind for cards. So everybody has the same, it's a level playing field because everybody grinds for cards. Nobody can just buy their way to the top and have all the cards. Isn't that great? Except the problem is that you can start people that have, there are people that have been playing it since like, june yeah who have everything now and if you wait until it comes out here you're super behind so anyway i had heard that there were ways to play this game but i wasn't didn't really look into them too much because i was worried that like eh, i don't know how legit they are or if they can get you in trouble so i was last night i was like i am feeling in a weird mood where i don't want to commit to playing anything super serious so I I was I charged up my old Android phone and turns out I couldn't get that on Wi-Fi because Android I don't know I hate Android sucks uh, sorry everyone who has Android phones most people listening probably but uh, like uh, the old Android that it that my old Razer phone has isn't compatible with WP dash psk2 security only wpa slash psk2 security so most devices are smart enough to go these are the same thing yeah um but you have to go into you your browser and change that's, that's a setting problem. well it's an android razor for this is a problem with android software not with razor software uh it just happens to be this specific build of android software that my phone was on weird and that Razer phone ship with. So if you factor, you said it's still a problem. Whatever. I don't care. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not this interested in playing Marvel Snap to go through this process of fixing this. So instead, I just grabbed BlueStacks um, to try it out on PC, uh, okay. uh, which BlueStacks is, a, is an Android uh, emulator. And um, it's interesting because you still have to go through the process of installing a file explorer and an APK mm-hmm, installer mm-hmm. within BlueStacks. Yep. Uh, so you can sideload. In the emulator. Yeah. And there's, and the funniest fucking thing about this whole process is I found this YouTube guide from this dude, and he's like, I think everybody should be able to play this game. So I'm just going to upload the APK. And it just works. Like, you don't, <laughs> you, they have a closed beta right now. But I think all that happens when you get accepted to the closed beta is they send you the APK. Cause there's no, you, you log into a Google account on Android anyway to save your progress. But you do not need a code. You don't need any. You just launch it. And then it goes, okay, you're in. And apparently, I looked it up ahead of time. Like, big streamers do this and stream it from BlueStacks in the U.S. And 
developers from the company come into the chat and they're like, hey, it's great you're having a fun time playing this game. So they're not even like enforcing any regional stuff. You can just, if you just jump through these hoops, they're like, yeah, man, have fun. Play the play the, play the the game, I guess. Uh, you did it. You figured well, it out. I guess when it's a card game, that's easy. But when, you know, when it's a platform fighter, you just can't do that. Well, yeah, exactly. The, that's what I was going to say is you can't, you can't, yeah, it only works. Good <laughs> so anyway, the game itself, Marvel Snap is a really weird thing. And okay. I think the reason that they haven't talked about it in a month is because they're like, oh, no. Like, I don't know if this game will ever come out any further or or not. It's And it's sad because the game part is cool. It's the ultimate phone game in that the games take, like, phone card game, in that it's kind, it's pretty RNG heavy, and it's kind of on the shallower side. It does not have as much depth as, like, a Magic the Gathering. It's comparable to something like Hearthstone, like Speed Hearthstone or whatever. But the matches take, like, five minutes. And the reason that they take five minutes is that you basically, you have a hand of cards that you draw from a deck. Your deck has 12 cards in it. That's it. No duplicates. And then there's three locations on the board and each and cards have a power level and you, you have an energy source like in Hearthstone that goes up every turn and cards all have a cost as well. And you play a card to a location. The locations have text. And then you compare the power levels of the cards at the location at the end of turn six, and whoever wins two out of the three locations wins the match. And it's at first I was like, oh, this is going to be boring because it's just war because you're just dropping these cards at power levels. But they have text as well. So it'll be things like Iron Man has zero power, but he doubles the power at the location when you play him or like as an ongoing thing. So if you have like three and each location can only have up to four cards. Uh, per side so if you have like three three cost dudes down and your opponent plays hulk which is no text but he has 11 power down on turn six but you play iron man then your nine strength there goes up to 18 strength because he doubles it um and so it's a lot of stuff like that and some of them are like ant-man once there's three other cards at a location he gets plus two um like Jessica Jones, when you play her, as long as you don't play another card on that location, the next turn, her, she gets plus two power. So even though there are not very many cards out and it's a super fast game and you're not destroying, I mean, I'm sure there are cards that let you destroy other cards, but generally you're not fighting and destroying other cards. You're basically setting up a board state over the course of the game. And then at the end of turn six, it's going like, okay, now who won? Um, and you're playing cards simultaneously also. It's not a back and forth thing. So both players put their card down and then it flips it and shows you what happened. So it's it's a pretty fun, very simple, but pretty fun kind of game of um, putting together a tight, this is what my deck does synergy, and then kind of playing your cards correctly to make that come out and adapting to what cards you're drawing because you're probably only going to see like... Uh, eight of your 12 cards over the course of the game, I think is how much you would see. And um, the, 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 the center, the cards in the center also, the location cards do some wild stuff too. Like there's one central park um, when it's play, when it flips, cause they flip over the course of the match, even though you can contend them at any time when central park flips, it deploys a squirrel at each location, which is like a 
one cost, one strength little plinky thing, and that takes up a slot, basically, at the location. So then you can only play three cards there. So it's it's got a lot of interesting gameplay mechanics. The problem with this game is the the progression and monetization stuff is so weird uh, mm. because, and I don't even, hang on. Sorry, I got a cat that wants to come up on my lap. I don't even know if I fully understand what's going on with this game's progression, but basically by playing matches and completing quests, you get these orbs that let you upgrade cards. They're not upgraded like in other game mobile games. They don't get more powerful. So it yeah, doesn't like have that problem. Shinier, better better JPEGs. Yes, they're they're better JPEGs. So it'll be like they'll do what's called like a frame break for the first upgrade where instead of being contained to the card, the art like breaks out of the frame of the card. And it's cool. It looks cool. And the art's very good. It's 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 Marvel art, so it, it rips. If you like the characters, you will love the art. And the whole UI and presentation in the game itself is really good. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, and then, and then I upgraded my Hulk to rare. And the rare version of Hulk is three is breaking out of the card, and it's like got a 3D effect on it. So it looks like he's like coming out of the card. And it's very neat. And then you, by upgrading the cosmetics of the card, but I don't think you can make them go backwards. So I don't think you can say like, no, I like the frame break version more and have it go back to that one. Maybe there's a setting where you can somewhere. Can you like get a then put like a hat on your Hulk? Like well, so break let me get there. Hulk? Let me get there. So okay. as when you upgrade the card, your collection level increases, and that's how you unlock new cards. Is it's a track. I played for like I played a bunch of matches last night. I watched Top Gun with a friend because it's out on streaming now, and played a bunch of matches while we watched Top Gun in discord and uh and i got to like collection level eight after like an hour of playing hour to an hour and a half of playing but there i think there's cards now up to like level 500 okay. which is fucked up man like you you would have to play so much of this game and there's no way to like buy packs of cards or somebody to buy new cards so i don't it's I don't know if I I don't know if I'm getting it because then if you go to the store to answer your hat question, you can buy like cosmetic alt arts of the card. The only thing you seem it seems like you can spend money on is stuff that I think there's boosters in there that you can boost your speed that you sure, level that up would, with. That but I and double XP, but it's like a weird. It's like a weird roundabout way of doing it from what I can tell in the store where it's like they give you a pool of cards every day that you can instantly upgrade for paying the free-to-play currency and you can get the free-to-play currency, you can buy currency and then like somehow do some kind of booster purchase where by buying with the paid currency you get more of the free-to-play currency. I don't know. It's Right now the free-to-play currency doesn't seem to matter. I have like a thousand of it and it costs like 50 to fully upgrade a card. So well, upgrade a card to the next level. I don't, I shouldn't say fully. I don't know how high they go. Um, so it doesn't seem like horrible from that perspective, but the big thing, and this is what I assume, why I assume they've gone dark on this game is 
the all the stuff you primarily are supposed to spend money on, I think, are these alternate arts. So it'll be like a chibi version of the card, or it'll be like a pixel art version of the card. And they look good, but they cost like twelve dollars for mm-hmm. one fucking card. That's a lot. <laughs> like one the JPEG. art already looks the art all the JPEGs are already good. Like the Hulk card that I have looks sick already. I'm not gonna spend twelve dollars to make him pixel art instead. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like if if they charged like five bucks for a random pack of three cosmetic cards or something, I could totally see dropping a few bucks in here and there. But and or if they went with a more traditional model of and they said, hey, there's 150 cards at launch, you buy three dollars, you get a five card booster, and duplicate cards get turned into um, the materials that you use to upgrade their cosmetics. Uh, then fine, I'd be like, yeah, okay, this sounds great. This is great. I'll I will spend twenty twenty five bucks on this game to get a little nice little collection of cards to pick from. But instead, the way they've chosen to monetize it is like a turbo grind that it's not really clear how your purchases can directly impact the rate at which you're getting cards and these cosmetics that are very cool looking, but not something I'm gonna spend. 10 to 12 dollars on for one of the 12 cards in my deck like we're talking about you would need to spend a hundred bucks to get all of your cards in your deck one of these cosmetic skin card things and it's the it's it's really weird so i don't know i don't know how this game is going to look long term because i just can't imagine that people are spending normally i'm like no people will spend money if you give people something to spend money on, they'll spend money. But this is really, it's not unfair or like they're, I think it's fine from a game. It doesn't seem pay to win is what I'm trying to say in any way. And the game is fun. But I feel like the monetization is just really sideways. And I'm the person, and the reason that I think this is a problem is because I am now the person, because I haven't really been buying games as much, or if I do buy games, they're discounted or whatever like i haven't spent full price on a 50 dollar plus game for a for a while you literally um, did it this week pat well, <laughs> so let me finish what i'm saying is i'm putting dollar in, pre-order yeah, yeah yeah i'm putting money into service games is what i'm saying okay is is like i the the i guess i did it with guilty gear uh, and that's yeah. sort of less it's sort of but, a service game but yeah um i bought strive but it was after the price came down on it. But you also bought um, like the the Supreme Deluxe Edition with everything that was. Well, I bought the one with the season passes. Yeah. yeah. Um. But 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 I guess this is my point is like I if anyone is going to buy c- cosmetic shit in this mm-hmm. <laughs> in this this Marvel card game, it's going to be me, <laughs> and because I'm the person who will go, oh, this Destiny exotic gun ornament. That's six bucks. Looks really fucking cool. I'm gonna go buy it so I can use it in this crucible match mm-hmm. now. Uh, and I looked at these cards and I was like, I'm not spending money on this game. <laughs> this is stupid. Uh, and and so if they can't get me stupid to spend money on it, <laughs> then I, I don't know who's buying these cards. So I don't know. I'm gonna play some more of it because I think the game part is fun and I think it'll be quite. It would be quite fun to have access to it on a phone where you can like it would be the de facto my new lay in bed and do this for 15 minutes before i fall asleep i would no longer use tiktok probably because i would just play a few matches of marvel snap instead um but 
seems like it's in a really weird place with the monetization. And if you're someone looking for anything that's remotely serious, like seriously competitive in that context, it's not going to be for you because I think it's got too much, um, too much randomness and not enough mechanical complexity to make for uh, a worthwhile, like deeply competitive game. It's fitting more of a place like uh, that, like Clash Royale or whatever, those card games where you would throw the stuff down on the board and they run at each other or whatever. It's more of that kind of a thing. It's just, I think, better because the card power levels don't increase through a kind of endless upgrade mechanic. It's just you grind to get new cards, which are more like side grades. Uh, So, I don't know. Weird game. We'll see what happens to the future of Marvel Snap. I don't... I think it's possible that it could come out for real here tomorrow or slowly fade away over the next year and never hit another region. I, I just don't know how they're going to make money on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's part of the reason they do these limited rollouts is to test the game and see what works and what for doesn't. Sure. But I just think it's interesting to see this one have such a, be in such a weird place of fun to play, but also convoluted and strange on the progression and monetization part and also be tied to a if this were just another marvel mobile game i wouldn't give any shits at all it's just the fact that it's tied to such a a kind of talented developer and also paired with the marvel license by also if it was just x blizzard dev made a mobile card game i'd be like okay fine but when you put it together with Marvel, those two things, that's what has me really like intrigued by it. And I, I haven't seen a mobile game have this kind of weird, it's good, but has some strange issues problem really ever. It's always like, oh, that was a gotcha that fell apart because it didn't get the monetization right, so it never came out here or whatever. Um, that you see all the time, but this is just an interesting weird thing that I'm going to be interested to keep an eye on for the next few months. All right. Well, finally, Pat has answers on Marvel snap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played another game pass game. Cause I too have not been buying a lot of games this year, uh, for multiple reasons, but yeah, uh, this game this week has what I think is a pretty sick name. Midnight Fight Express mm-hmm. uh, just came out on the 23rd on Game Pass and other places where you can get games. And it is a isometric brawler, uh, mm. I guess, in like uh, kind of short, short burst levels, uh, like maybe three, four minutes per level, sometimes more. I haven't had a level take me more than 10 minutes. And these fights it is very batman arkham combat you've got except mm. with slight slightly simpler but it's that kind of that kind of attack or attack and parry and counter attack and you've got special moves which i apparently I'll unlock some more abilities and things to use in combat i came across a gun that 3D prints its own bullets, which opened up a new like um, tech tree 
that I could go down and level up between levels. And one of the th- the first one is just it prints out a bullet and then you can use that bullet in combat. And then I guess there it can also make electric bullets. And I'm not sure what else goes beyond that. But uh, those are some of the things. I think the other one is a rope. But I don't like I haven't found the rope, so I don't know what it can do yet. Uh, but yeah, it's everything is kind of tied up in the skill tree where like basic heavy, like a light into a heavy combo is in the skill tree or blocking and counterattacking is in the skill tree, which is strange to lock up such Mm -hmm. simple things in there. You can, you unlock them very quickly. Uh, you can unlock one thing between, between each level, and so you can probably tell how many levels there are just by looking at the skill tree. But I'm maybe close to 50-ish levels, maybe more. 50, 60 levels. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. So yeah, the uh, it's got a... It, this game is very devolver. Like, it's got that style and attitude... But it's mm-hmm. published by Humble, not published by Devolver. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's got that kind of humor. I'm tr- I was trying to remember some of the specific things that have been said in the lines because they're they're goofy. And oh, there there were some goons, or I think they're called bozos. That is the like the basic enemy type I is love, bozos. I, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and they are looking for the player uh and the player goes by babyface and uh, mm-hmm. th- these guys are i think they're in a train station or they're somewhere they're looking for babyface and this guy is like oh no i i wasn't saying i'm babyface i was saying that i was dumping my l- like leaves in the sewer for some reason and they're like, well, you're not babyface, but dumping your leaves in your sewer, that's that's no good. We got to punish you for that. And then they, like, kill this guy for <laughs> dumping his leaves in the sewer. And say, like, okay, okay, bozos, you do you. Uh, and so there's a lot of, like, weird enemy types. There's, like, a rat man thing in there. It, it's It's got personality in that way. And the combat is pretty fun. There's a combo meter that builds up. And so you can get like, you know, try and get like a hundred and something point co- or a hundred hit combo or whatever it is. And you knock gold teeth out of the enemies and you could pick up the teeth throughout the level. And you can you pick up weapons and use those. You can throw propane tanks and then they just explode and leave people in a gory mess on the ground, which is I was surprised by how uh, visceral or gory that was the first time it happened. Uh, so there's there's a lot of options to the combat, even when you're early on. And as you level things up and get more abilities, and you can open up the way combat happens and counters and all that kind of stuff. So that seems pretty good. The story is pretty... I, wanna say, I don't want to say rote, but it's very tropey. You, mm-hmm. uh, Babyface is, it starts off, um, you're in like your apartment and then some 
box gets shoved through your door and it starts talking at you. And as you go over to it, a drone flies out and it's, it tells you you're a sleeper agent and this is, I'm about to activate you. And then we're going to go and take care of all the crime happening across the city tonight before it destroys the city. And so there's a little bit of the Arkham, a bunch of crime is happening in the city or in this area. And I have to stop it all. And like sure. a little bit of John Wick with like people know you and they're like, oh shit, it's you. What the hell? Uh, but it, it, there's there's something that it's very similar to and I can't quite place it. It's got a frame story where you're being interrogated by the police and they're trying to figure out what your role and everything is and who you are. It seems like whoever's running this drone knows something about you and they're not uh, tell they're not letting you in on it because all of the people you're fighting and killing know who you are and you were apparently friends with them, but they think you were dead. So trying to figure out what's going on with that story. I don't know if it'll be anything too exciting. I'm not, but I am curious to see where they go with it in the event that they do do something fun with it. But it's just pretty fun to play through these levels and after you play through a level you can go back and play through it and complete challenges like complete the level in three minutes beat 15 enemies using a weapon or don't die or you know stuff like that uh and you unlock mostly uh was like apparel uh customization for like hats and shirts and shoes and pants and all that kind of stuff i don't Mm -hmm. think it unlocks any extra abilities by doing that i think you only unlock the abilities by beating the level the first time uh and there's like a training mode so if you really want to get into the combat and try things out you can go into like a training mode and do that kind of stuff so it seems very robust but I don't know if it needs to be so robust, at least not as far as I've gone. I haven't felt the need to go in and try to train, but maybe things get more complex later on in the skill tree and let you do a lot more. The combat is basically one button to attack, one button to parry, one button to dodge. What is it? No, wait. No, one to grapple, one to dodge. Yeah, so attack, parry, dodge, grapple. Then you've got, like, grab items and then a finisher move. So I don't know that it needs to get too complex. Or, like, I, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know the point of going into train. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems neat, and I'll probably it sounds, keep... It seems like people like it a lot. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep hopping in for a level here or there. Uh, it's a game I feel like is good. This would be a good Steam Deck game. Like hop in for yeah, yeah you know for five sure. ten minutes Sounds play like a couple it. levels and hop out, but I can't easily play. I I guess you could stream it via XCloud um, on the Steam Deck, but you can also get it on Steam and play it there. I think, but maybe it's on Steam unless it's like an Epic exclusive besides Steam. I don't know. Uh, is it on Steam? Yeah, no, it's on Steam. So yeah. Midnight Fight Express seems cool. It's got a neat uh, style. Like, there's a scene where you're fighting in a bathroom and there's just dudes running out of the toilet stalls, uh, which is weird. Like, one dude 
or a bunch of dudes were running at me with plungers and using toilet seats as like shields, like toilet seat lids as shields. Okay. And then I could take the plunger, I could get like punch the plunger out of their hand and I could pick up the plunger and throw it at their face and it'd stick to their face and like knock them out. Which is pretty good. <laughs> uh so yeah, there's there's a lot of personality in this game and I think the writing will be hit or miss for people. But if it hits for you, it'll, you know, it'll be fun. And I think it's an enjoyable combat experience. They did a solid job with that and do a lot of good set piece moments. Uh, yeah. yeah, it sounds cool. Uh, and that's besides Destiny and Apex, which I'm still playing. Uh, that's what I what I played this week. Uh, there were opening night live happened. Uh, that was... Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like uh, we mentioned Moonbreaker previously, the Brandon Sanderson uh, adjacent game or, you know, adjacent. He he wrote he the lore of the, the world yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and apparently is going to be heavily involved, it sounds like. But we'll talk about that when it comes out in early access at the end of next month, if, uh, one month from today in my world. But uh, the, uh, there wasn't a ton that really stuck out to me lies of p gonna be on game pass so that's exciting pinocchio game can't mm-hmm, believe mm-hmm. i can't believe i'm excited for a I'm, non-kingdom I'm hearts interested. pinocchio i'm so game. interested in it yeah uh, yeah uh, apparently bloodborne got an update like or or is getting an update sony mentioned an update to bloodborne which is weird and so now people are like, oh, there's going to be a state of play soon, or and think it, the Bloodborne fever is reaching another fever pitch. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. Besides, yeah, there wasn't anything that super stuck out to me about opening that live. I don't know if Allison, anything stuck out to you? Or, yeah, not, not particularly. I, I need to go back and watch more, but nothing really I need to talk about. Okay. Well, then I think we're going to wrap it up here. Just a, a nice quick one today. I, eh, not so quick. We've, we've done quicker, but uh, mm-hmm. that's not a problem. Uh, thanks for joining me, you two. Uh, and yeah. thank you, listener, for joining us this week. And thank you to Jeff Davis at Stranger Peace on Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, uh, Tinder. I don't know. You don't really put you don't put handles, huh? You don't, you wouldn't go by at something on something like that, I guess. I don't even remember because it's been. A you while. just go. It's just your name. It's just your, it's just, your, it's just your name. But uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. I, it was it was another it was another social media that started with T. I you know I anyway. Thanks to Jeff Davis for a wonderful theme music. And uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Fix Podcasts. You can head to podchaser.com slash gaming fix to leave us a review or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use that allows reviews to be left. You can send us an email to gaming at fix dot, uh, gaming at fix dot space to tell us all about your rhythm game dreams and favorite rhythm stuff, thoughts, words. I don't know. Uh, Allison, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at W R I T E R S E R E N Y T Y. 
great. I tried to read your Twitter handle when you had to leave early one episode or something. Yeah. And it was, I was like, how, how does she do this every week? Oh my God. <laughs> I've just, it's just, pra- I, at this point, I'm just like, I've done it so many times. Yeah, that it's I just, just reflex. Just like, yeah. And Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plays. And you can find me in space beating Tanix yes. at Coolslaw C O O L S L 4W. Deepstone Crypt is going down. Or I guess we're going to finish it. We're going to finish it. God, that raid's so fucking cool. Yeah, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to oh. be good. Uh, the vibes are immaculate. Yes, and they will remain so. No one will be uninstalling the game at the end of tonight. Well, don't make any promises. Uh, That's all for this week. We'll be back with another episode of Game of Kids Podcast. Stay wet, guys. I didn't say my social media. Oh, well. (laughs) No, I did. I did say my social media. I've, I've ruined it. I did. Stay wet, gamers.